Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. Didn't know when I'd be able to say that again and have it actually mean something. But thankfully, for a couple weeks now, we've been able to shoot that in and have it actually warrant and hold weight. An exciting week in athletics. The NBA playoffs are here. Folks are excited. The bubble continues to work. The NHL playoffs are hot. Baseball is still going. No team, shockingly, as of this moment, is missing games because of the coronavirus. College football, on the other hand, well, there's some things that need to be weeded out and fixed. But aside from that, in professional sports, we're rolling. And we decided to push our recording back one night because our Los Angeles Lakers were playing the Portland Trailblazers in game one of their series. And we thought, well, we might as well hold off. We could talk about the game. And to be honest, kind of pissed off that we did. I think the show would have had a much lighter and brighter tone had we just done the recording during the beginning of the game and left it up to, well, we assume they'll come back and win this one. Well, that would have been the wrong assumption because they lose game one, 100 to 93 to Portland. Dame Lillard does exactly what Dame Lillard does. CJ McCollum, huge shots. Carmelo Anthony, huge shots. Gary Trent Jr. After clanging two three-pointers off the side of the backboard from the corner, hits a dagger three and bye-bye LA for game one. We'll of course be maybe somewhat irrational, maybe somewhat angry here. Maybe we're overreacting, but you know what? That's why you do podcasts. So you can rant and rave about the team or the sport that you care about. So I'll leave it up to you to start. What do you make of last night's game with our Los Angeles Lakers? Things are safe and healthy and doing well and loading up on the bubble, the NHL bubble, MLB, and of course, getting ready for the National Football League, which goes full steam ahead as always. Nothing stops it. But last night was you know, your fear of fears a Laker team that has been flat as a pancake, except for a couple outings in the bubble, the gang that couldn't shoot straight struggled the entire time down there in terms of shooting the three and a red hot blazer team. That's played a bunch of must win games in a row, found their way from three and a half, four games out when they got into the bubble to the eighth spot ahead of Memphis won the one game that they had to win against Memphis uh, with Damian Lillard, Lillard leading the way, C.J. McCollum, some nice contributions from Mello, and they come in with a chip on their shoulder. We're not an eight seed. We went to the conference finals last year, et cetera, et cetera. They're big guys back. They come out last night. They stay hot. The Lakers literally are cold as ice, but they come back. And they take an 87-81 lead as they did tremendous work defensively uh, in the second and third quarters. Dame Lillard didn't score the entire third quarter. They really took over the game with, despite hideous shooting, absolutely awful. Uh, they wound up shooting 15% from three, 60% from the foul line. But yet at 87-81 and with the ball, they were in control. And then comes a little at three. Uh, with the shot clock winding down, a scrambling three. Then comes another three. All of a sudden, you're tied. It goes back and forth. Davis misses two free throws. LeBron misses two free throws. Your two best players miss four free throws in a row. Lillard knocks down a couple more threes. And 
nobody on the Lakers from the supporting cast can make a big shot, can make any shots as they continue to struggle. And LeBron, for all his greatness and yet another triple-double, you know, his 277th triple-double and his 47th record, first time a guy's ever had a triple-double in his first postseason game is enough already, all right? You know, with the hockey assists. Make some shots. Need some buckets. There's got to come a time when you look at a game and realize that the good basketball play may not be the best play. And when none of your guys are making shots, that time was last night down the stretch. When he has Gary Trent Jr. guarding him, who he's bigger than, stronger than. Christ, they have anybody who guard him in the paint. And instead of going down low and trying to make stuff happen from down there, and I don't want to hear about other games and in past times. This isn't other games. This isn't past times in Cleveland. You're in the bubble with no home court. You're in the West. Every game matters. Every game is huge. It's about wins and losses. So you have to make a determination that, okay, I'm not getting any help right now. I got to take over. And if taking over means going to the rack, getting to the foul line, getting down low, then maybe kick up outside for some double teams or or ball rotation, and it swings back in on on a repost. But he didn't want to go down there. He wants to stay outside and be a passer, penetrate and kick for threes, not go to the foul line. You got to live at the foul line. The greatest players of all time live at the foul line. Jordan, Bryant, Bird, Magic. They got to the foul line when it mattered. They made him. Whenever this guy gets to the foul line when it matters, it's like he didn't want to be there. His foul shooting the last few years has gone downhill dramatically, and he it seems like he has altered his game to the point where he does not want to be at the foul line in a big spot. I want him shooting 12, 15 free throws a game. So that way he'll make 10 of them. You know, not four or seven or five and nine or six or 10. That's not good enough. And it wasn't even good enough, good enough last night by Anthony Davis, who's normally a great free throw, shooter, free throw shooter. He was awful for him last night from the line. And eight for 24 from the field and looked very soft and very hesitant. The Lakers did not look like they were ready to turn loose shots. They looked like they were tight. They looked like they were thinking and not just reacting and shooting. And even LeBron, you know, take a, take a 15 footer, take a mid range shot, get in the box and post up and use your strength, go down the lane and jam it in somebody's face. I don't care if you run them over and they call a charge, get them out of the way. Show some power. Show some strength. Be the bull in the china shop. He's being too soft. He's being too pretty. I don't need that. I need hammer time. Show them. Lead them. Be rough. Be tough. Be aggressive. Be strong. Be assertive. None of this namby-pamby, you know, look for the three-point guy. Jam it down their throat. They can't defend. They're a terrible defensive team. The Lakers defended well enough to win last night and then some. But they only scored 93 points. If you can't make a three, then get in and make twos. You're the guy with the ball in your hands all the time. Get the ball to people who can make twos, and you want to know what? Make them yourself. Take more shots. You don't have to take 50, but get in there and take more shots and get to the foul line. You know, it, it, it's just it's annoying with this constant notion of let me make the pretty play. I don't care how pretty it is. I want points at the end of the possession. And they're not getting them. It was ridiculous. They were so inefficient last night. It was pathetic. And not getting to the free throw line. He, great, the great players, the great offensive players get to the free throw line, especially down the stretch. And they always make them. Did you ever see Jordan miss two in a big spot down the stretch? Did you ever see Kobe miss two in a big spot down the stretch? Got three. You ever see Larry Bird miss two in a big spot down the stretch? Absolutely positively never. Absolutely positively never. This guy looks like he has fear in his heart when he goes to the free throw line. He needs to get over it. The more you shoot him, the more you'll make him. Get accustomed to being there again. He doesn't look like he wants to be at the free throw line. And that's poison. Not just for this series, for the future of the postseason. You have to be the man. And the man lives at the free throw line. The man makes hay at the free throw line. Especially when it's a guy like him who's an impossible cover in the post. He's bigger than everybody else. He's playing small. 
Can't stand it. Can't stomach it. And meanwhile, don't look now, but the one in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks get pasted by the magic. What has happened there? I mean, Giannis, four for nine from the free throw line. You know, these guys cannot shoot free free throws are the difference in winning. I'm not going to say it was it made a difference last night for them because they got beat up. But again, a bad sign, a bad sign when great players, when your most important players cannot step to the free throw line and make they're called free and get you free points with the clock stop. A very, very debilitating scenario where you don't have the ability to take advantage of the other teams being foul prone. And now teams are just following him. They're they're making him make free throws and jump shots. Now, again, it's one game against the Magic. I, I fully believe that they're going to come back and they will be you know, the winners of that series. But as to the Lakers and the Blazers, the Blazers are playing with swagger. And they have weapons. They have guys who aren't afraid to turn shots loose. We know Dame will obviously pull up from the logo. McCollum has no conscience. And that's always been the Lakers' Achilles heel, and especially without Avery Bradley in terms of guarding the backcourt. Now, without him, their best defensive player in the backcourt, and Rondo, and Danny Green really struggling, they are being eaten alive offensively, and their backcourt can't score. And then, oh, by the way, there's this sage-old patriot, the American hero, the all-time Olympic scorer, the one and only Carmelo Anthony, knocking down big shots. Why? Because he's fearless. Carmelo Anthony misses 10 in a row. And he's got a shot to seal it, and boom, he takes it without hesitation. Nothing but net. That's why he's an all-time leading premier scorer. One of the greatest offensive players ever to play the game. He is unafraid. He has no conscience. He squares up, and they're, they're not afraid of him taking it. They're not afraid to go to him. They look to him, and he takes it, and he drills it. Game, set, match. Uh, the Lakers do not have one guy like that right now outside of their big two who is fearless. Kuzma tries. And I give him credit because he has no fear. He is unafraid of shooting the basketball, but five for 14 last night. And he didn't look awful. A couple of his shots were halfway down. They didn't go. Played hard. You know, took some shots that needed to be taken. And you know, five, five for 14, and you make another one, two, and seven for 14 looks a lot better. But he's really the only one that has shown any kind of ability to shoot the basketball without fear and you know, be competitive and be a factor. No one else is giving them anything, either in the bubble during the end of the regular season and clearly last night, 15% from three, 35% overall from the field. And you know, you know the stats, another hideous offensive game in terms of efficiency in the bubble in the bubble for the Lakers. Yeah, it was pathetic, honestly. And again, it's one game. It's hard to overreact over one game, but unfortunately, most of the no, bubble it's not play, hard to react. It's easy to overreact when you're the one seed and you continue to play the way you have been playing. Right. Most Barring of the bubble play games, has been like this. This has basically been the, not just the bulk this has been the lion's share of the way they have played in the bubble. Lethargic, not a lot of real uh, spring in their step. Nothing in transition, which we saw in the regular season. How many times in the regular season did we see off the inbound Anthony Davis beat everybody down the court for a dunk? When was the last time you saw that? When was the last time you saw the baseball pass to Anthony Davis for the dunk? Didn't see in the bubble. Certainly didn't see it last night. And the thing about last night was there was glimpses of that, of LeBron just flipping that switch and flying past everybody to the basket. And then he's passing it out for three. Shoot it. Go up with it. You you just did all the hard work. What are you passing it out to some bum who's going to hit the side of the backboard? The The game has just become so dominated. 
by the three-point shot. But the problem for the Lakers is they do not have any reliable three-point shot. You can't shooting. make one, and you have to figure out what to do when you can't. The stat from last night, according to the league's tracking data, 27 of the Lakers, 35. This is the new, folks, <laughs> this is the new report portion. <laughs> this is it. This is the stat junkie. These are the new analytics not just field goal percentage and three point percentage, but what, what's this statistical yeah. offensive efficiency? What, 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 what is it? This is the wide open or classified as just open three pointers. Okay. So of the 35 threes last night, 27 of them are classified as either open or wide open. Last they, time I checked, that's about 80%. They converted only two of their 16 wide open chances. I mean, that's just not going to win you basketball games. We don't have to come on here and, and say that we know anything about sports to just know you're not going to win a basketball game like that. I appreciate what LeBron tries to do. And, and LeBron's biggest fan, and I'm sure the same amount of fandom for this podcast, Nick Wright, said today he's, of course, not worried. And he thinks LeBron's way of play was to try and get everyone involved because he's looking at it. We need to win 16 games. We don't necessarily need to win last night's game. So let me try to get KCP involved. Let me throw it out to Kuzma. Let me get Danny green going. But the problem is they never got going. You Danny can't keep green. going back to that. Well, if they, if you just don't have it in a game and you've Danny experienced green this, you have to do something not- else. Danny Green has not gotten going all year long. Avery Bradley had that one huge game against the Clippers of all teams right? uh, before, just before the shutdown, in which he littered up from three. His best game as a Laker. They played one of their best games of the year. They beat the clip joint, and Bradley was a huge reason why. He obviously has chosen to opt out. Rondo's still not there. Who gives them, despite the plus-minus scenarios with Rondo and many not considering him to be a uh, a benefit. I believe he's a benefit because he knows how to run an offense. He gets other people shots, and he allows LeBron to get off the ball. You know, I mean, you've got a, a pure point guard, a distributor, who gets LeBron off the basketball. Somebody else who can make a post pass. Somebody else who can penetrate and dish. Uh, somebody else who can defend in the backcourt. And uh, I also think he's a good leader. They really do not have a leader in the backcourt without him. Who is it? LeBron. And I don't. I don't like him in his you know, with the ball in his hands constantly out there. I want him closer to the basket. He's basically become a three point shooter. And an occasional driver. That's what he's become. He needs to be much more of a post-up player and a driver. He needs to make hay where he can do it. Shoot it. He was doing that last night. Back and down, as you mentioned, Gary Trent Jr. He's going to be the enforcer to stop LeBron James. He back him down to the second block and puts around waiting for the double team to come so he could throw a bounce pass to JaVale McGee, who's not even expecting one because he's probably thinking, shoot it, you're two feet away from the basket, and it goes out of bounds. Shoot it, shoot we'll crash the glass. Shoot the ball. You know, we, can't, we, can't, we can't take it. The, the Lakers cannot take advantage of their size differential, which is huge, and they're big people, unless the ball is in the paint. Three-point shots are very difficult to get offensive rebounds where you can score. You get the long offensive rebounds, uh, and also they turn into long defensive rebounds. Rarely do three-point misses become offensive rebounds and putbacks because they're usually long rebounds. Shorter shots, shorter rebounds, size advantage, putbacks. If you're out there chucking threes all night, you don't, you're not taking advantage of your size scenario. They, they've got a big size advantage uh, you know, w- with the, the two-headed center position along with Davis and they just, they do not seem to want to take advantage of Yeah. Uh, look, I'd like to see Davis on the post more also, or take the ball to the basket. You have to take threes all the time, you know, pull up and take the 12 foot. 
Get in there at the 15 footer, pump fake, draw the foul. Go to the rack, finish. Dunk in somebody's face. Can somebody dunk in somebody's face? Just do something. I mean, you look at the box score and see Anthony Davis scores 28 points, however many rebounds. Okay, what a nice game. Yeah, but he scored 21 points in the first half, seven the rest of the way in the second half. Where'd you go, in man? The fourth quarter. Where'd you go? In the fourth quarter. You have I've to been dominate. About him all year, he cannot continue to come up soft and short in the fourth quarter. Especially in the postseason. That's the knock on him. In the fourth quarter of these games. He needs to step up in these games. Another guy who needs to get in the post, play with his back to the basket, face up from 15 feet. Enough with the threes. Enough with the threes. Give me old-fashioned three-point plays. Go to the rack, dunk, get fouled. Get in the paint. See the rim. Feel the rim. Finish. Draw contact. Go to the line. See the ball go through the net. It's just not a good offensive scheme right now. And the only way these other guys are going to start knocking down shots, I think, is if they see the ball go through the backs for somebody else. And they have to take the pressure off them. Oh, LeBron expects me to make this one. I better knock it down. LeBron made me a great pass. I better knock it down. LeBron made me a good pass. I better knock this shot down. How about just, LeBron, knock him down yourself. Knock him down yourself and... Let's see the ball go through the basket. And then maybe somebody else can crash and score off a miss. And they'll get a good feeling. Or maybe somebody else can foul, get fouled and go to the line and see the ball go through the basket. Make it happen by shooting the basketball, by going to the rack, getting to the foul line, drawing contact, offensive rebounds off your misses because the double teams will come. When do we see offensive rebounds? Off, off a guy who gets double teamed. When the help comes, it opens up the offensive rebounds for your size. Let's get to it. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. You see flashes last night of what they could do just be doing every time LeBron driving to the basket, getting layups sometimes just running the floor, going into the paint. At one point, the Blazers have three guys with five fouls, but nobody's driving the basket to get a sixth on anybody. I'm, I'm clamoring at one point during the game. Where the hell's Dion waiters put J.R. Smith in, will you? Maybe they'll come off the bench and be able to make a three pointer. When you're clamoring for those two guys at the same time, it's not a great game plan. But what are you doing? Put them in. It it can't be any worse than what you're doing with KCP. He had one point, one point than you or I had combined yesterday. Tonight I'm talking to Nick Wright, the great Nick Wright, who's wonderful, but the biggest LeBron fan never come down the pike. And, of course, he's defending him, uh, talking about, you know, well, you know, when when he won in Cleveland, uh, you know, who made the biggest shot? Well, of course, it was Kyrie. But people forget they don't get there if J.R. Smith didn't make two huge threes. Look, J.R. Smith didn't take those threes because, or make those threes because LeBron instilled confidence in him. J.R. Smith has been taking those shots his whole life. From the time he was a baby in the NBA, coming straight out of high school and as a, as a Denver Nugget. J.R. Smith has been a guy who has taken and made shots his entire NBA career that you couldn't believe he took, let alone made, because he has absolutely positively no conscience. So the fact that Nick Wright thinks that LeBron needs to make those passes for those shots to be made by guys or that you know J.R. Smith wouldn't have taken those shots if not for the passes made by uh, LeBron James and they inst- those passes instilled confidence in him. J.R. Smith came out of the womb confident. He's been shooting ever since. And he will continue to shoot, whether he's with LeBron or anybody else. And you've got to have a mentality of the ball's going in. And right now, the Lakers shooters do not have the mentality of the ball's going in. No way, shape, or form. The, the shots don't, the, the releases don't look good. They're not, they're not turning them loose with confidence. They're not stepping into them. Looks like they're thinking every time. Every time. And it shows. 
because most of the shots aren't even close. Kuzma had one last night that somehow, some way, uh, was a three from the left wing that somehow stayed out. Um, but his shots are the ones that are looking like he is the most confident of the bunch. No trouble turning it loose. Let's go into the basket, the pull-ups, getting to the foul line, finishing the threes. Um, even though he was five for 14, I thought he played well. I, you know, plus minuses to me are incredibly deceiving. That's, you know, the new report. The old report is how did you look when you were on the floor? You can't always help how the rest of the team does when you're on the floor. You can only do so much when the ball is not in your hands. You can only do so much when it's in your hands. Tell you how often it gets in your hands. I thought Kuzma played well last night. He was active. He was in the mix. He was running the court. He was aggressive. He defended well. But they defended well enough. They really did. Dame had 34. Well, I expect Dame to always get 34. Kuzma plus five, by the way. I'm sure that you were sitting on the edge of your seat wondering what his plus minus was. Plus five. Good for him. And, you know, Dame had 34, and I believe he was 10 for 10 from the line. That means he only had 24 points from the field. You know, that, that you, I'll, I'll take that the, the entire series. You got to score. Right. You so, know, the, these are not, you know, the, the Knicks, Knicks Bulls, Eastern Conference Finals, you know, early and mid-90s, where your first one to 90 wins. That's not what we're playing anymore. Those days are gone. And we say, oh, how can Portland stop them? Well, last night, anybody could have stopped them. All you do is hand them the ball. All you do is hand them the ball and say, go ahead, take a wide open three. Yeah, That's your best defense. They didn't have to guard them. It was like being down at the Y where you just yell at the guy that you don't like. Go ahead, shoot it. You're not going to make it. Shoot it. I'm surprised we didn't hear more of that in the bubble life because we could hear a lot of things happening now. It's just a game like that. You get frustrated because, as you mentioned, Portland scoring just 100 points. Now, down the stretch in the fourth quarter, they seemingly made every dagger shot that they had to from Dame pulling up from the parking lot. And as we mentioned, Mello and Gary Trent Jr. after hitting the backboard twice, buckets from the corner or the wing to seal the game. Every shot that they needed to make, they hit while watching the Lakers, every shot that they took, you just assumed was going to be a miss, but Portland scoring a hundred points. their second lowest point total in a win all season. They score points. You hold them to a hundred and you can't even come close to passing a hundred yourself. It's just frustrating that again, like just wake up, be ready to play. Figure it out. We yell from the bleachers like big cat. Figure it out. And I don't know now, if Frank Vogel needs meantime, to do something. Like take people out, make changes. Are you concerned? Uh, are you concerned about game two and the rest of the series? Yeah, absolutely. I don't take Dame Willard lightly, even though the Blazers record usually sucks overall, which is always funny to me. It sucks this year too. Their overall record. But when he gets going, he doesn't need anybody else. And if he does, CJ McCollum, who quote unquote has a broken back, is there. And if he's not there, well, you again, have Mello. Remember, and if he's not their, there, you have Nurkic. Strength, they have their people. Strength, their strength is the Lakers' Achilles heel. The Lakers' inability to defend the quick backcourts you know, without Rondo and especially without Bradley. You know, Green is one guy. And he did a pretty good job defensively last night when he was in there, as I would expect him to be, because he's not doing anything offensively. Um, and they just are in a position where it's almost like they're afraid to fail. Whether it's one of the shooters, whether it's one of the guys in the backcourt, there is nothing going with those guys. No one looks like they're in rhythm. No one looks like they're in the flow of the game. No one looks ready to make a shot. And even Anthony Davis, as I said earlier, looked very tentative last night. Meanwhile, the Blazers are always ready to turn it loose. Obviously, whether it's Dame or McCollum, Carmelo, we talked about that, you know, that that's he's, he's the fastest gun in the West. That thing is off clean before you can blink an eye. Gary Trent Jr., same scenario. He'll, he'll, he's not the least bit shy. It's second generation. He'll turn it loose in a heartbeat. Um, 
you know, you, you really wonder what the approach is going to be tomorrow. And again, last night, very slow start. Have to do a better job coming out of the box. You know, you don't want enough with the down double digits, seven, eight minutes into the game. That starting lineup is trash. Move around some people, will you? He throws that lineup out there and you're just in the back of your mind thinking like, this, is, this isn't who you would go to if it matters. Get JaVale out of there. Put in Dwight. Figure something out. Put Kyle Kuzma in the starting lineup. Perish the thought. Just try something new. He loves throwing those five out there, and then they're down 17-4 to four before you could blink, and they got to come back again. Just try something out. It's okay. That's, that's what you fear is, is now, now the narrative is slowly starting to build. I don't know if you've heard it from LeBron, but he's, he's going into his playoff tricks saying things along the lines of, well, you know, there's nothing else to do around here except play basketball. Yeah. Good man. <laughs> what, what's wrong with that? It's, it's the your job. Wait, it's what, the postseason. What else are you doing? Get you off social media. You're not supposed to be doing anything except playing basketball. And then it's, well, this is challenging because of the situation we're in. Blah, blah, blah. Just go out there and play Last ball, time I man. checked, everybody's in it. Yeah. So He's starting the narrative want- now, so if things start going south, it'll be like, well, what can I tell you? It's, a, it's tough. It's a tough year. Yeah, we get it. It's tough for everybody in the bubble, man. It's not just you and your team. Everyone's going through this. Deal with it at this point. They sent you there early to get used to it, work out the kinks. I know it sucks, but not by now, it's just basketball. It's just basketball. So, so you're safe. You got you, you got constant testing. You know, no concerns there. If you're going to expose to somebody else, you know, you're in constant contact with other players. And no one's tested positive, which is remarkable uh, on all fronts. NBA, NHL, MLB seems to have turned it around a little bit. Uh, finally, uh, my Cardinals are back on the field and uh, so far, no more positive tests uh, in MLB. So it looks like maybe knock on what they're turning the corner, but the bubble concept has worked magnificently for both the NBA and the NHL uh, as they are in their first round of playoffs. Some series ended today, some still going on, some series ended last night. Uh, Golden Knights knocked off my Blackhawks, uh, four games to one in a spirited game five. But in the meantime, uh, it, it has worked. And this is why I think uh, you'll see a bubble, as we discussed, for Major League Baseball come postseason. And uh, I truly believe that if this is still rearing its ugly head uh, come springtime, or I should say, you know, winter, etc., I think you will see a NCAA basketball tournament for the most part, in a bubble. Don't be surprised if they go bubble as well. They should absolutely do it. Not even a question. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. As we transition into baseball, uh, briefly, uh, and then we'll jump back to the NBA uh, and, and talk about the results of some of these early rounds. But uh, your thoughts with your Yankees on, once again, uh, the two big men, uh, Stanton out for an extended period of time, Judge due back relatively soon, I believe. Yeah, he was put on the 10-day supposedly just out of precaution. So when that ends, I think in a couple days, he'll be back. LeMahieu is out with the thumb injury that he suffered with Colorado. So he'll be out two to three weeks. Stanton, God only knows. He can walk up and down the steps and hurt himself or tweak his hamstring or quad. Too many muscles, car. Too big. Too big for the sport. We thought too big and too strong the for the sport. Was going to do something and it hasn't mattered. So it, this is becoming now just how it is for the Yankees. We saw this last year. I forget how many injuries they had total and and how many games it impacted, but thankfully because of a great farm system, they're still able to win 103 games. Now you got to rely on those guys once again. And 
It's iffy. Ford. Because they're they're good guys. Clint Frazier. Shella. They're good players. They are. They're not. I mean, the guys that the three guys that they're without are top 25 in the league. That's a big gap in your lineup to not have those guys uh, in there. These guys, to me, they're just too big. I don't I don't believe baseball is a big person's sport. I believe there's too much movement. I believe there's too many sudden moves that you have to make that you don't know you're going to have to make. Changes of direction, stops and starts from literally stationary positions. It's the only sport of the majors where you are literally standing still and then have to start on a dime for an extended period of time. You know, football is between plays. Major League Baseball, you're an outfielder, you're an infielder. You know, you may not have a ball hit your way for three innings. Your movement is going, you know, back and forth to the dugout or out to get a cutoff uh, or going to cover a bag. But there are stops and starts and sudden movements that you have absolutely no idea you're going to make. Basketball, it's, it's much more planned. If you got the ball, you know where you're going. If you're defending, you're reacting to a guy. NFL, same scenario. Offense, you know where you're going. A play is designed. Defense, I'm following that guy or I'm covering a certain area. Baseball, it's it's you know seemingly just a series of starts and stops and waits and start up again. And I just think that big bodies with huge muscles uh, that are very tight, are just not baseball bodies. I wish I had one, but I just don't think they're conducive to the, and we haven't even talked about swinging the bat yet and or running the bases. I, I just don't think those types of builds are conducive to the physical nature of the sport. And these two guys literally can't stay on the field. You can't stay on the field every year. Yeah. It's a thigh. It's a rib. It's a lat. It's a shoulder. It's a wrist. It's always something. It's always something. We had our big yard. We had our strong yard. We had our good yard. Can't get on the field. Doesn't amount to hill of beans. You're worthless. You become worthless. Clearly, we got to bring back steroids. I think that's the answer. There's never any of these problems back when everybody was on steroids. Sign a waiver for it. Our bodies are too big. We need extra assistance. I'm sure the commissioner would be all about that. It's it's disappointing. I, I mean, at this point in the season, it's better to be safe than sorry. According to Judge, he could have played. He was fine. He'll say that no matter what. I mean, hell, he had a broken rib for the playoff run and didn't tell anybody till the season was over. Like, yeah, I think I might've broke my rib or tore something off the bone. Good to know, man. Good to know. Glad you told us. So at, at this point, it's better to, if, if something's hurting or just shut them down and get healthy for September and obviously moving forward. But in a short season like this, you might not be able to take those risks because if somebody goes on the 10 day DL and you happen to lose seven games in that stretch, because two or three of those guys are out of the lineup, well, that's might screw you in the long run. So that's the interesting balancing act that not only the Yankees all across baseball has to play with. What should we do for these guys? Like Steven Strasburg gets hurt. They put him on the IL. They don't know when he's going to come back. Do you just shut him down? You know, playing with house money, even though you're the returning world series champions, do you just say, I mean, you're still one of our best guys. We don't want anything to happen. We we'll shut you down in a wacky year like this. It's difficult to be having to make these decisions now with a short season and still a fog in the future of, can we really make it to the end of this thing? If you look at the statistics, it's mind boggling in terms of the number of injuries. It's terrible. Twice as many pitchers have gone on the DL at this point in time in the season as two years ago. Twice as many. Uh, and a good chunk more, about a third as many as there were last year. It's 
we forget that, yeah, they had spring training and they were just about ready to break when the pandemic shut everything down. But what you, you don't realize is that they had, so they can, they can start back up again only these two weeks. Well, no, it's not only these two weeks because they literally had more time off from the shutdown to when they went back to camp than they normally have from the end of the season, which should be for the teams that don't make the postseason, October, November, December, and January. Right? Uh, and then in the meantime, they had March, April, May, June, and a portion of July. So at least, if not as much time, uh, if not more time, as much time off in spring training as they would normally have. And I just, for the life of me, no matter where you look, regular everyday players, pulled muscles, calves, quads, shoulders, you know, bruises, it, it's – not to mention the pitchers. It, everywhere you look, got guys going down nonstop. Good teams, mediocre teams, bad teams. Then you have guys who opted out. So this season is, if you want to call it that, it's been a total bastardization of what we're used to say. And the Cardinals are playing, you know, 57 games in, 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 in three days. I mean, every day, doubleheader after doubleheader, they're, they're pitching guys I never even heard of. I know the organization pretty well, but they're throwing guys out there that I literally have never heard of. Nine guys that made nine, their pitchers made their major league debuts, uh, you know, just in a week's time because they're so crammed with doubleheaders. So I know the split today with the Cubs, but there's really, as a Cardinal fan, my only hope is that. They can stay close to that second place spot, which is in, in, in this era, or I should say, in, in this year of everything being different. Uh, second place teams all get in, plus the two wild cards. If they can stay with the hailing distance of that second place spot until they find a way to get through a chunk of these games, hopefully healthy and get the rest of their players back and a semblance of a rotation where everybody regular is going uh, because their regular guys have been good. Uh, but you know, some of the guys who have come up from double A, notably the, the guy who pitched the other day and gave him four consecutive runs to the White Sox, four consecutive bombs to the White Sox, uh, have been brutal. Uh, but you know you got to preserve arms. You know, for the second half of this shortened season, which is going to be upon us you know, any second. Yeah, and Major League Baseball didn't do the players or the teams any favors either with its scheduling. We talked about this when it first happened, how long it took them to come to this decision, the back and forth, and it put them in a position where they couldn't afford weather delays. They couldn't afford a team to get COVID-19. They can't afford anything to go wrong if they plan to get the 60 games in before the postseason comes, the expanded postseason at that, like from today until the end of September, when the postseason will start, the Yankees have four off days Four. it's incredible what these players now have to do in this period of time. And I know that the regular season, I mean, days off are hard to come by to begin with, but you have a week off for the all-star break there's, there's times where you can, I don't want to say take a day off, but you're not killing yourself necessarily playing a game in late June when you know that you have a day off the next day and managers can work the days off. But there might be the mindset of like, not only are these games incredibly important, we don't know if we're going to have an opportunity to sit, to, to relax, if you will. All these games count. So on top of having to play so much on top of not having the normal routine. You're also looking at these games. Like we got to win these because who knows what's going to happen in a 60 game season. Nobody does. So all that goes into it. And and that's why if, if you do happen to look at who's hurt, who's missing, who's, who's moving around down triple a and coming back. It's as you mentioned, it's a lot more crazier than it usually is. 
the lineups. I don't know who these guys are. Forget about my team. You know, obviously, I know my team pretty well, but these a good chunk of these other teams, I don't know who these guys are, where they came from. There were so many games to jam in and so many guys hurt. It's, uh, you know, you thought the guys would be in better shape, I guess. Because you know, remember they said, we just want to play. We're ready. We're ready. We'll play 127 we, games we or whatever it was. Let's go. I, I, I don't think so. These guys are breaking down left and right. Quick wrap a bow of the NBA playoffs to this point. What series are you more or most focused on at this point from what we've seen? Some of them are seemingly over and are going chalk, but there is some excitement to say, can the Dallas Mavericks dethrone the Clippers? What's going to happen with the Rockets and OKC? For me, those are the big two, and, and obviously hoping that the Lakers don't fall to their face and lose to the Portland Trailblazers. Utah, Utah is surprising me because they had game one, I'm not going to say one, but you know, four-point lead and, and, and the ball. And you know, Mitchell forgets about the eight-second rule. And a shortened shot clock. So, despite having 57 points, they lose. So you would think they would be in tough shape today, and yet they come back today and they they really dominate Denver. So that surprised me. To me, that's the most surprising, second most surprising game so far. The first, of course, being yesterday's shocker. Well, imagine. I mean, pretty much controlled the game against the Bucs. Philly and Boston, no surprise to me at all. Uh, I still expect the Pacers to compete against the Heat. I thought that would be a six-game series. We'll see what game two brings. Toronto's playing like a champion. They're doing what the champion does, whatever you have to do to win. Rolled in game one, struggled today. Van Vliet and Powell off the bench lead the way. Huge fourth quarter. They beat the Nets. Take a 2-0 lead. I was surprised at how easily Houston handled OKC. I thought that would be the most interesting series in the West. That remains to be seen. Game two will tell us whether or not that's going to be an interesting series. I don't think anyone down 2-0 in the bubble as an underdog is coming back. Um, can the Lakers come back from 2-0? Of course they can. Can the Bucks come back from 2-0? Of course they can. Um, I really don't know if anybody else can come back from 2-0 in the bubble besides those two teams. The series that will be the most interesting for me when it happens of all the series, and I mean this truly, of all the series, is, and I can't wait for it, because it's obviously it's going to happen. To me, Toronto and Boston in the next round, in the East. Now, that also took a hit with Gordon Hayward going down. If it weren't for bad luck, the poor guy had no luck at all. Granted, he makes a fortune, but you know, signs a massive contract with the Celtics, gets immediately injured in one of the most gruesome injuries you're ever going to see with that terrible ankle injury. And really, I think, was just about back to as good as he's ever going to be. And then he suffers another injury and he's going to be out another three to four weeks. So that really puts a damper on my thoughts about Boston winning that series and going to the conference finals. But they've got the big three. You know, the, the, the KG Beck and Kemba Walker, who they brought in as a free agent, it was a perfect fit. And the two kids who I love, uh, I thought that uh, Jason Tatum was the best player in that draft. And I still think he is going to be the best player in that draft. And Jalen Brown's getting better all the time. That's their big three. I like it because they can all score from anywhere, distance and on in. Tatum and Brown, incredible finishers. And I think them and Toronto, who just refuses to lose. They are led by the little engine, the good, by the toughest guy in the NBA, pound for pound, Kyle Lowry, my favorite player in the league. That, I think, will be a tremendous second-round series. And again, I will continue to say, uh, although, again, it takes a hit with the loss of Hayward, 
before the loss of Hayward, I predicted that the winner of the Toronto-Boston series would win the East. That would be much harder now for Boston because the rotation is shortened with the loss of Hayward. Uh, more guys playing more minutes. How will they stand up if they get by Toronto? Will they have enough luck to beat the Bucs? Uh, so I've got to like Toronto in that series now. And I think Toronto will come out of the East. But that Toronto-Boston series to me is the most interesting series of the entire postseason in my mind. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see if Den, not Denver, if Luka and the Mavericks can maybe do something with the Clippers. In game one, we don't know. Porzingis gets thrown out, tossed after his second technical, and, and they terrible couldn't call. respond for that. Absolutely terrible call. On both. Awful. The, for for the first technical and then for the second, just both not great, and they have the and, lead and, and when that happens, and he goes it's, down it's, and and they they lose. You know the, the purest. Well, you know he's a third man. You know third man in. Paul George is getting thrown out of that game if he does that. Right. Who also had one technical already. He walked over to protect this guy. He didn't push. He didn't shove. He didn't clench a fist. You've got to know this guy's already got one technical. You can't take him out of the game there. You simply cannot do it. It's bad officiating. And then we have to listen to Steve Jaffe, who the next time he says anything of interest will be the first time. Why is he even there? Has he ever disagreed with a call made by his former brethren? Never. And all eyes will be on the Los Angeles Lakers and what they end up doing with the Portland Trailblazers. We will either be yelling and screaming once again next week or hopefully we'll be cooler, calmer, and more collected. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, from my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, until next we meet and talk, I am Al Renato, AKL from White Plains. Have a great and safe sports week, everybody. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>